0: Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions.
1: 512-836-0590. Hey, good morning, gardeners. Welcome back or welcome to Gardening Naturally. Um, What a day. What a week. And maybe a situation where we go, what a summer. It is so hot and it just doesn't have a break. There's just not one to be found. We're losing water in the lakes. Um, The soil is drying out. We are in drought conditions again everywhere. Makes it tough to be a gardener. But this is a perfect opportunity to kind of see what's growing and surviving this weather now. I remember uh, working at the Natural Gardener during 2011 drought. At the end of the year, we put together a list and all of the customers and staff, they uh, gave us plants that they had on their property that were not just Surviving the heat, but we're doing rather well. And it was a surprisingly long list. Now, of course, that always depends on getting the plants established first. And you're not going to get a plant established by planting it now. You're going to be able to plan for what plants you want to have and you will be able to plant when the weather breaks. That may be as late as October. You wanna get those plants in the ground as soon as you can. Now is not the time, but you want them in the ground as soon as they can handle the weather, cools off, maybe we get some rain, so that they can put roots on and be closer to an established plant before we return to this heat next year. There is an incredible host of plants, flowering plants, trees, shrubs, annuals, perennials, that can make it through the current weather and look good, do particularly well. I have a flame acanthus that is just exploding with red flowers all over it my poor hummingbirds get worn out trying to eat all of the nectar out of every one of the flowers that's there so there are plants you can do but you should be planning that now when you drive somewhere you pass a particular house or business and they've got plants and you look and you go wow that's really doing well i love the look of that plant Find out what it is. Keep it in mind. In this fall, you can plant it so that hopefully you'll have a better next year season and you have plants that can handle the heat.
2: Let's go to the phone. This
1: is Larry. Larry, what can I help you with?
2: Yeah, Jeff, I've got a question for you, another ant question. They're either, fire, I mean, they're either sugar ants or they're uh, crazy ants. What's my best defense?
1: Uh, there is a product called Tarot. T E R R O. It is a like ant bird bait. Excuse me?
2: Like the bird sparrow?
1: Yeah, no W. Yeah. Anyway, um, these little plastic containers have a, a bait in it. The ants will eat it, feed it to the queen, everybody dies. They're really super safe. They're super easy to use, and they're very effective. They can be a little scary. You can use them inside, too, by the way. They're a little scary because you'll put one down, and you'll see a couple ants. You'll come back in the next day, and they'll be covered with ants. Everybody's coming to get some to eat, and then they'll disappear. No more ants baits okay. are very, very effective for the non-fire ant type, fire, uh, non-fire ant type ants. They're pretty inexpensive. They're relatively safe. Um, you, you don't want to eat them. You don't want your pets to eat it, but, um, it, it works very well.
2: Okay. And does diastomaceous earth, does that have a shelf life?
1: No. No,
2: so long no. as it stays dry. Okay. Yeah. Cause it's, it's been sitting outside and, you know, I just wonder if maybe um, how the weather is, what's well, been dry lately.
1: Yeah. So long as it stays dry and powdery, it's still working.
2: Okay, great. And your weather, I, I told you a call alert about your weather forecast. That's kind of off. So. Yeah, that happens. Uh, yeah, sometimes we don't need have... both still only in the eighties or a 50% chance of rain. Yeah. We
1: don't always, um, uh, get to be the ones that fill that slot. So we get mistakes sometimes. Although well, maybe it was I...
2: wishful thinking. <laughs> yeah, I wish, and I surely doesn't need it. Even my, even my rain catchment buckets are all dried up already. So yeah. Okay, Jeff. I thank you very much. You have a very pleasant day. Thank you.
1: You too, Larry. Thanks for the call. Let's, uh, do we have time? Sure. Let's go to the phone. This is Carol. What can I help you with, Carol?
3: I have a, a horrible poison ivy climbing up my huge elm tree in my backyard. And it's it, my tree is right next to the fence and I didn't see it for a long time because I can't get back there. I'm pretty old. Anyway, I wanted to know what I can do. Can I spray it with, with vinegar and orange oil? The, the leaves that I can <clears> see, or what, what can I do to get rid of it? I mean, it's, it's just
1: huge now, the vine you can is. Do, you can do that spray, but it will take you a very long time to finally beat down that poison ivy. A nice trick is if you can get to it, if you can see where it's coming out of the ground, to cut it flush to the ground so that all of the vine that's come up winds up dying. But you have to watch that spot because it'll try to put on new leaves, and that's exactly what you do. You, you go out there every two weeks and spray the leaves, with that vinegar spray and that will burn them up and you may do this for a long long time before you finally kill it but you will defeat the poison ivy
3: one time i got it with boiling water poured it on it and it got it killed the roots in another spot where that i could uh, get to easily but um this time it's I'll just have to find somebody who's not allergic to poison ivy. The last person I had for poison ivy got it all over him, poor soul.
0: (laughs) Ooh.
1: Well, there is a person, uh, he goes goes by the name Magnum P. Ivy. Oh. And he, that's his business, to go and remove poison ivy
3: oh wow that sounds wonderful magnum
1: let um, give me a second all right yeah magnum p ivy he does poison ivy removal in the central texas uh greater austin area so have you his he, number by
3: any chance or
1: well I- i've got this I've got this from uh, Dr. Google here. The number is 512-947-1023.
3: Thank you so much. Give them a I'll call let you TV know later what out. happened. <laughs> That'll work
1: for me. Uh,
3: all right. You really Love your that. program. Thank you for all the good you do.
1: Thanks for the call, Carol. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. We're up against a break. We'll be right back.
0: This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512 836 0590.
1: Hey, welcome back, everybody. I got texted a question here and it's kind of complex. Um, but want to talk about horse herb and frog fruit as ground covers. Well, horse herb volunteers, I would be amazed if you don't have some horse herb already around on your property. However, horse herb needs more water than we've been getting. So it may look like it's died back to the ground. If we were to get rain, if you were to water, you may see it come right back up for you. It's an attractive ground cover. You may or may not mow it. Depends on how tall you want it to be. It can handle some traffic. You couldn't play, you know, a football game on it. But horse herb does make for a good replacement for some kinds of turf. Frog fruit also is a ground cover, though it um, is not cold hardy. Frog fruit's good because the bees like it. So growing frog fruit underneath your fruit trees can help in pollination. Frog fruit got to say that carefully. Frog fruit and horse herb are generally found as starts. Now, these are plants that reseed. They do. But horse herb makes a seed in a weird combination that makes it very difficult, uh, very difficult to harvest the seed. So it's unlikely you'll ever see Horse herb seed, frog fruit. You can try and check with um, Native American seed. That's seedsource.com. They uh, they they may carry it. Don't know. Haven't checked. Let's go to the phone. This is Kathy. Kathy, what can I help you with?
4: Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. I have stinging nettle growing in a wildflower area in my backyard. Is there anything I can do other
1: than pull it up? Well, you can spot treat it with um, the vinegar or one of the other um, herbicide sprays. You can if you can find where it's at just use a piece of cardboard to kind of shield it so it's the only plant being sprayed. And you can spray it rather than trying to pull it up. Um yeah, it, it is a okay. good it's a good plant unless it stings you. <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah, it does it, good things to the soil, but yeah, you don't
4: yeah, it doesn't it's tearing me up.
1: Yeah. It stings uh, me pretty hard. Yeah, I, I I have it appear, and when I find it, we have to, you know, we have to, up oh, there's that. Let's dig that out. Uh, yeah. Take a shooter shovel and get to the base of it and try to pop it out of there to see if okay. you can not get it on you that way. But, yeah, pulling it's the only thing I can think of. You can try the direct spray stuff. But remember, it is uh, non-selective, so you only yes. want to spray what you want to kill. Does it spread through its roots? Do
4: you know, no. I believe it.
1: I believe it's seeds. I believe okay. it's
4: well, seeds. Well, I'm definitely. I'm definitely going to pull it before it goes to seeds. Um, so yeah, I was afraid that was going to be your answer, and it just <laughs> started coming up within the last few weeks.
1: You know, I think it's really a seasonal thing Uh, Yeah You may not have had it And the weather conditions are perfect for it right now And surprise, a bird deposited a seed for you or something And now you got it
4: Okay, and can I follow up with one more question? Sure I've been collecting uh, wildflower seeds when I'm out walking A lot of them have gone to seed already but, well, bluebells, can I, do they seed? I haven't seen a seed head on those.
1: That's a good question. Um,
2: you would Sometimes think I there, look, has to, go ahead.
1: there has to be some kind of seed, um, because otherwise, how did they get where they're at?
4: Yeah, Zach, that's what I'm thinking. So... I I haven't been successful. I'm thinking about getting those Native American seeds. They have bluebells.
1: Yes. Yes, they do. Um, And they were saying to to maybe sow them in the fall? Yeah. Um, In this heat, they're not going to go anywhere. Okay. And you don't have to worry about watering them and stuff. And in the fall, you have a chance that maybe we'll get rain. (laughs) <laughs> and you won't have to do much to get them going.
4: I shouldn't snicker, but ay, ay, ay.
1: Yeah. Uh, no laugh. Um, unless we all suddenly agree that our lawns should be brown instead of green, so that we don't have to deal with it. Yeah, it is terrible. I barely have anything green growing.
4: Yeah, it's not looking pretty. Well, thank you for all the help, Jeff. I appreciate your show. You do a great
1: well, job. Well, thank, thank you for the call, Kathy, and, and good luck on getting rid of that uh, nettle.
4: Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to try. Take care.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, um, yeah, I'm being reminded that nettles can be eaten, they make a tea, too. Um, that's that's a reach. Don't have good experience with that. So um, that, that's something you'll have to investigate for yourself. An herbologist will give you good details on how to deal with this and ways that you can uh, make it so that you can eat it. So if nothing else, if it's going to be a pain, uh, it might as well be of value to you, right? Uh, folks, this is Gardening Naturally. Richard, I see you there. I don't have enough time left. We're going to need to break for the news at the uh, bottom of the hour. If you'll hang on, I'll catch you on the other side. Uh, folks, we will uh, be right back.
0: This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590.
1: Hey, welcome back, everybody. Let's uh, let's go to the phone. This is Richard. Richard, what can I help you with?
0: You yeah, have question. What is causing a small percentage of my Texas red oak leaves to turn brown and fall?
1: Probably the heat.
0: Okay. The Have only you, water I give it is what mother nature gives it. So
1: how long has it been in the ground? 13 years. Okay. I would say that's an established tree. So you can probably get away with that water routine. Um, it wouldn't complain if it's been like 30 days with no rain, you might want to consider giving it one good soaking. But at 13 years, that should be a pretty decent uh, established tree.
0: Okay. Uh, other question. How long does uh, BT stay good? I have a Texas mountain laurel that I found worms on it. So I mixed up the mixture and sprayed it with BT. But uh, the solution I have is probably about three years old.
1: You, sh- If it was a concentrate and if it was not stored outside in the high temperature it should be about five years and still be viable as a concentrate. Once you mix it up, uh, it's good for about 12 hours.
0: It's been in the garage that uh, maybe gets mid-low 90s.
1: Yeah, it should still be okay. I had to go and buy fresh this weekend. Um, or yesterday it was. I had to go and buy fresh because... Well, I didn't have any, but the stuff I had was also really old. So uh, I'm working from that angle that about five years under perfect conditions, if yours is three years old, it's about time to look for new.
5: All right. Thank you much.
1: Thanks for the call, Richard. Let's go to the phone. This is Roger. Roger, what can I help you with?
5: Good morning, sir. Yeah, I need to do a little bit of leveling. I, uh, I had a area where I used it as a driveway and all the carpet grass I had grown there is now gone. Uh I just need to uh, it's kind of eroded over the years. Um I just needed to know what kind of dirt I should put on it to to kind of level out and rejuvenate the soil and uh where to where to get it and
1: Okay. All right. Are you talking having to pick up more than, say, a couple inches in height?
5: Uh, probably about two inches.
1: Okay, good. There is a thing called lawn leveler. It is half uh, a sandy material and half compost, blended together really well. The idea is you put it down, it builds up the, that gap between the top of the surface and your pits or missing grass. And because it has compost in it, it, Im- it improves the soil. And it'll get what grass you have around the edges to start growing back into that area. You can find it at uh, the many of the dirt yards. Um, let's see, you're in Northeast Austin, Whittlesley here in Round Rock.
5: I'm very familiar with Whittlesley.
1: Yeah, and Austin Landscape Supply just a little further up the road. Those two places, I believe, would have something that will work for you to be able to do that. Now, Mm -hmm. it's kind of a catch-22 here. If you put that down now, you're going to have to keep it watered. You're going to have to wet it a little bit. And to encourage grass to grow back over it, you're going to have to water. So can you, like, hang out and wait till a little later in the season?
5: Oh, uh, definitely. I don't want hot. to shovel anything this hot. I was out there a while ago moving some rocks, and uh, I had enough. Uh,
1: in, in yeah. Eight. Okay. Well, those two places will have a product that can be used for what we're talking about here. And it's called lawn uh, leveler? lawn a lawn leveler okay they they have different commercial names for some of them the places do but they will have a material that will work for this purpose do you, you have buy a truck? It by the
5: yard or how's it done yeah
1: that do you have a truck
5: no i gotta run my pickup
1: that'll work a, a, a pickup yeah you can get it by usually by the yard Okay. And it, it, it is a little heavier than regular soil. So keep that in mind so you're not driving on the on the bottomed-out
5: shock. I've done that.
1: Yeah. All right, sir. Came here.
5: I'll definitely check into that lawn lever. Appreciate it. You have a great day.
1: You too. Thanks for the call. Uh, this is Terry. Terry, what can I help you with?
4: Yes. Hello. Uh, good morning. I have a question for you about poison ivy. I've
0: heard from different landscapers, uh, tree cutters and so forth that, uh, you can use, you know, various poisons on, but I've heard kerosene, I've heard gasoline. Um, so I'm just curious, what, what what's the best thing? And this is on a fence line.
1: Well, uh, I understand your situation. And I have had to kill poison ivy also. It's one of the few times where I go in the non-organic category. There is a, uh, you can find a roundup for poison ivy. It can be pretty effective. It's not perfect. You may still wind up having to do more than one treatment. But please follow the directions and understand, you sure don't want to overspray because it will kill any of the grasses that it touches. But it is kind of built, it's chemically formulated to really put a hit on the poison ivy. And it's one way that you can get rid of it without having to get down in it. If you know what I mean, it keeps you from getting all itched up. But uh, yeah. there is one specific for poison ivy, and uh, you may want to try that. Excellent. Okay, thank you so much. You bet. Thanks Bye-bye. for the call. Yeah, folks, look, this is called gardening naturally. And I'm going to try to give you a a, a non-chemical... That's not the right word for it. A non-conventional, usually organic answer to everything in terms of the garden. But I have grandkids, and the last thing I want is them to get wound up in poison ivy. So I, I take and make sure that I can get rid of it. That may mean recommending a chemical product, but um, the, the benefit is I and my kids don't get it all over them, and we can get rid of it quicker. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. Matt, I see you there. Can you hang on? I need to take a break. We'll be right back.
0: This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512 836 0590.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Let's go to the phone. This is Matt. Matt, what can I help you with? Yep.
0: I have a peach tree, I am a pear tree, and I have fixed some of the pears because my information is you don't let them ripen on the tree. So but they were, they're pretty green, actually, the co- outside the color. They're not blushing yet. But I put them in a bag, sealed them, and put an apple or something in there. Uh, how long should I wait? How long will it take for those to ripen? Am I doing the right thing?
1: Okay. They won't ripen on the tree. That's correct. You're picking a little early. Most of the pears that we would have growing in central Texas, ripen, well, are ready to pick in August, Years. August two, two weeks early. That can't make a huge difference, but they'll sweeten up some more. When you pick them, just bring them in. You don't have to put them in a bag. You don't have to put a slice of apple in there or anything like that. They will start to ripen and soften on your countertop. And they're ready to eat when you're ready to when you feel they're soft enough for you. They'll be sweet and juicy, and you can eat them like that. I don't mind them when they're still a little crisp, so I will pick them and I may not let them sit more than a day or two. Some folks they want them to be that really soft, juicy pear. Could leave it uh, on the countertop a week, and it'll start to soften up. You'll be able to feel it. A little squeeze and you'll notice it starts getting softer at the end of a week and uh eat it when you're ready. But they don't necessarily change colors. Oh. Um oh. what kind of pear tree do you have? I think so. I think it's the keeper, is that all right? Yeah, that is one that does well here in Texas. So it'll okay. be a green oh. pear anyway.
0: I think I I may have picked early, but the tree is loaded, so I've got a lot more pears out there. And uh, But you say they won't, you pick them, they won't be blushing at all when I pick them in August.
1: Uh, no, probably not. A kefir is a green skinned pear, uh, oh. it's not like a uh, uh, D'Angelo or something like that, where it can be a reddish color to them. I have one called Orient. Same thing. No matter what I do, it's still going to be green, but it's still delicious. I mean, just because it doesn't turn colors doesn't mean it tastes bad.
0: Well, that's a big help because my pair recollection in childhood were always, they were almost yellow. So uh, I'll be encouraged they don't have to turn yellow.
1: No, we have, uh, we have some of those types of pears that'll grow here, but a kefir, no, that'll probably remain a green skin. And uh, yeah, yeah, I got so many, I don't know what I'm going to do with them. I'll find out, I'll find something to use them for, but I have just boatloads of pears. I probably got 200 pears on my tree.
0: You can always make a pie or a I guess. That's it. Okay. Thank you very much.
1: Thanks for the call, Matt. Yeah, folks, listen, pears do great here in Texas. You can get a pear that's uh, self-fertile, so you don't need two. You only need one. It doesn't get particularly large. You can keep it at about 15 feet and maybe 15 to 20 feet wide. Spring bloom, very, very pretty. Fall colors, very pretty fall colors, and lots and lots of pears. They really are good. The only thing is, you want to make sure you get a variety that is fire blight resistant. Fire blight can kill a pear unless it's um, um, resistant to it. And they could produce earlier than many fruit trees. So if you went and bought a brand-new pear tree, say um, maybe it's 10-gallon, <clears throat> uh, let's go with a 5-gallon, and put it in the ground, you might have pears within three years. Now, it'll be a couple of pears. You'll get to taste them. But it still will only be about three years as opposed to some other fruit trees that can take many, many years uh, to produce uh, a decent amount, um, a decent amount of pears. Now, yeah, uh, somebody said pear wine. I have. A, I'm looking at a jug of it uh, when I get home i uh, been making it. I need to taste it and bottle it. Uh, someone texted me a question about inoculant. Uh, depends on what you're planting. We try to use the rhizobium bacteria for inoculating beans. And some plants have particular inoculants uh, that are... Difficult to get. They don't, like, grow them and manufacture the inoculant. But um, you can still plant beans without inoculant. It'll just help a higher germination rate and a higher production of beans on a plant. But I don't know about what other roots you may need to inoculate, um, usually you can get away without it. It can improve germination. It can improve harvest of some plants, but it's not um, always a requirement. There's a unique one. One of the things about blueberries, they need incredibly acidic soil. And there's a relationship with that acidic soil that actually helps the inoculant that blueberries need grow. So you can't buy blueberry inoculant, but if you have the proper soil, it will develop on the blueberry and will grow over time. So inoculating a plant beans are worth the trouble beans and peas are definitely worth the trouble i don't know about anything else that you might uh want to try to do that with yes for those who are wondering uh blue bonnet seeds would like an inoculant but there isn't a commercially available inoculant for blue bonnet seeds It's something that begins to develop in the soil the longer they grow there. Gets to be kind of tough, but uh, you can tell when you have a really good field of it, that means you have good inoculant there. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. We're coming up to the top of the hour. We're going to break for the news. I will talk to you all tomorrow at 8 o'clock be careful out there, folks. Gonna be hot. Try to enjoy the day and uh, make it make it uh, another day of summer. I'll see you tomorrow.